Well, good morning. Is this on? Good morning. Yeah, Kate and I have been here since about January. It's been a great pleasure, and thanks for the chance to preach today. Uh, I'm taking a preaching course right now, so I need an extra prayer, if you'll pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for this church, for our state and our nation. We pray for all Christians today. We pray that you would use this time for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. When you begin to learn an instrument, you probably have an instructor, and it begins with you grasp the instrument, and you have to learn how to hold it. So if you're learning a brass instrument, it's a mouthpiece. If you have a guitar, you place your hands on the fretboard, and the instructor has to tell you, this is how you put it on. This is where you place your hands or your mouth hands. You might want to move on and just make noise. I'm a percussionist, so I learned how to strike the drum, and you just want to get on with it and have the fun part. But the instructor has a bigger picture than you do, and you have to trust them in faith. You take it implicitly that the instructor knows more than you do, and you're building up to something bigger. The faith of the Israelites in crossing the Red Sea was a foreshadowing to our faith today in the church, and especially in a collective sense, like we talked about this morning in Sunday school. We are in Hebrews chapter 11. Last week, we learned about Moses, starting in verse 23, uh, the many things that God did through Moses and leading the people out of, Israel, out of Egypt towards the promised land. We're going to read, starting in verse number 1, chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. In verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept Passover in the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, verse 29, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. So here in Hebrews, the author is unnamed. Maybe it's Paul, maybe it's Apollos. God knows. He's exhorting his audience at that time to understand their faith in context of the Old Testament. The letter to the Hebrews was a Hebrew audience. They were literally descended from those people who left Egypt toward the promised land. So they had a very intimate understanding of what this story means in context of faith. We have a different situation today. Our culture is not the ancient Near East, and we're not Israelites. Most of us are Gentile. And even besides that, we're likely to understand faith in maybe a negative way 
for this purpose. We might say faith is just, do you have faith or do you not? Are you saved? And that's good and true. Uh, Yesterday was Reformation Day, where Martin Luther helped everyone to understand justification is by faith alone. For you personally, you need to repent and believe. Today is All Saints Day in some church calendars where we celebrate all the saints. The saints are those who believe, and especially those who have great stories that can encourage us. We need to understand that faith doesn't merely mean do you believe, but it's necessary together to come together in the faith, the one faith, and that this faith isn't just for our church but all the church today and all the church in history. So the story in reference is Exodus 14. We've probably seen The Prince of Egypt. That's my favorite movie version. The story of Exodus is Moses, we heard about last week. He's raised up as a leader. God uses him to free the people from oppression under the Egyptians. He sends plagues to the Egyptians. The Pharaoh finally relents and let them, lets them leave. And that's where we pick up today. We're in chapter 14. Verse 5 says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him. And he took 600 select chariots, and all the other chariots of Egypt with the officers over all of them. So he let them go, and he's changing his mind. He's like, no, I kind of like having this number of slaves. Despite what had just happened, all the plagues that he just witnessed, which was an act of God to free the people. So he's beginning to pursue the Israelites who have a head start. Verse 8, Then the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. So there's two interesting things. God is causing the Egyptians to pursue the Israelites for his own purposes. And we see here the first mention of the faith of the Israelites stepping out with boldness. This is the context that the readers of Hebrews would know. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land. So even in just leaving Egypt in the first place, they stepped out boldly with boldness. Verse 9, Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Henairoth in front of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh drew closer, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness." So if you have a sibling, you've probably heard this before. They're saying, I told you so. They, Moses is leading them away. He's delivered them. They're not slaves anymore. They're free people going to a promised land set there by God. But it gets a little tough. 
they see persecution and they cry to the Lord. And then they turn around to their leader, Moses, who's acting on behalf of the Lord. Are we only here so that we could die because there weren't any gravestones? You want to put gravestones here? And then, is this, isn't this what we said? Well, that's a hard place for Moses. Uh, elsewhere, we learned that Moses wasn't a very good speaker. So I feel bad for him. How is this demonstrating faith? We're supposed to look at these people and think, these are the faithful who we understand in the context of having faith to the Lord. Well, we'll have to keep reading. In verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. This is where the readers in Hebrews were at that time, and this is where we are today. Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. Those of us who have faith, we are saved. We have the indwelling of the Spirit. There's many gifts of the Spirit. We're able to come together and love each other because we are saved. But there's an aspect that hasn't come yet. We're still living here. There's strife. There's death. We still are prone to sin. But there's a second coming. There's events that are still happening in the future where we will be ultimately saved. All of our hope is realized. That's the same situation where here, they're before the Red Sea. They have not crossed yet. They have to understand by faith that the Lord who has promised to them to save them will do so. He's good and powerful and faithful to do it. There's a future hope, a confident expectation. That's what Hebrews 11.1 had to say. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is how we have to understand faith. Paul, who might have wrote Hebrews, maybe not, talked about this elsewhere. You don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians 10, he, he tells the new believers about their new faith in context of the Old Testament. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea. The cloud led them, the Israelites leaving, the literal physical cloud, and they passed through the literal sea. And all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, the manna, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. So when we read the stories of the Old Testament Israelites, we see that they have a great faith that we need to emulate. It's even the same faith that we practice today. But we also need to learn from their bad example. The story of the Israelites is plus and minus. You take the good and the bad. So back in Exodus, they've left Egypt. They saw the trouble. They say, God, why? They turn to Moses. 
Moses, why? We told you so. Moses turns around and he admonishes them. Be quiet. Be silent. The Lord will do it for you. It is not up to you. So the Lord, Moses turns to the Lord in verse 15. Then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. So Moses is really between a rock and a hard place because God told him to do this. The Israelites are not. At least some of them, some vocal minority, are not happy about the situation. He turns around. God says, why are you crying to me? As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. He's telling him how to accomplish what he has promised. Just visualize that. There's the Red Sea. Imagine Lake Coeur d'Alene just splitting up. If you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you can get a mental picture. It was deep enough to where if it crashed in, the chariots would drown, the horses and the men, more than 600 of them all at once. This is a real dramatic act of God, in addition to the plagues which they've all already witnessed. For some reason, their faith is so deficient in a way that even though they saw the Passover happen, they get to the Red Sea and they think, well, God can't do this one. We're liable to fall into the same trap. We need to understand that our God is good and powerful, all-powerful and all-knowing. He knows what's going on, and he's in control. As surely as the ancient Israelites passed through the sea and their enemy was thwarted, so too will we have final redemption. Will We finally realized hope. And our enemies will be defeated. The three enemies of the Bible, sin, death, and the devil, all gone away. Let's read how it happened in Egypt. As for me, verse 17, Behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, when I am honored through the Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it became between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel that there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near and the other all night. So we know what happens. It works. The sea is parted and they cross through. Verse 27, So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his normal state at daybreak, while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. So after it was parted, on the right and left, it collapses in. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them, not even one of them remained. This is how God was honored. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, 
and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the same deliverance that the Hebrews understood in the New Testament and that we need to understand today. They all together exercised faith to cross, step out boldly from Egypt through the sea, trusting in the miraculous work of God to, be, to have their hopes realized, just like us. Moses tells them, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. He will fight for you. That's not something that we need to be doing, that they needed to do. It wasn't that God would do so if they also carried buckets and they tossed water up. We don't contribute. While you keep silent. And that means don't grumble. The Geneva Bible is the Bible that the pilgrims took on the Mayflower, and it has a note that says, on verse 14, keep silent. Only put your trust in God without grudging or doubting. And that's us today. There's, there really is evil in the world and strife. And it can be hard. Sometimes we say, God, why? Or why not now? What are we waiting on? It's not our place. If we do so, we're being disobedient. And we need to understand from the perfect perspective of God, all-knowing, who has a plan to keep everything, he's going to accomplish it. He was faithful to the Israelites. He's faithful to us, the true Israel, the people of God. To drown in the sea would for us to be to perish. But we know from John 3, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes shall not perish. Our own grandparents, the Christians of the last 2,000 years, did not get to see the second coming. But their perishing physically was not a lack of eternal life. We know, we have assurance that we have that hope, we have eternity an eternal life to look forward to. Jesus has already paid the sacrifice for sin. He was incarnated Christmas. He came, he lived the perfect life. He died guiltless so that through him, he would atone for our sins. We can be confident, remain as sure as the Israelites pass through, that we will pass through And the great power that God worked at that time, he will work for us. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry lands. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This is the one time in Hebrews 11 where it talks about they as a group. So that's important for us as a church coming together, especially in these times where it's harder and harder. The Bible says... Come together all the more until you see the day approaching. We need to understand what that means together. We corporately have faith. It's one faith that we share, and we practice it together by necessity. There's no way that we can practice our faith atomized, individual, as we might be inclined to in 2020 American society. What does that look like? We need to be encouraging each other. We need to assure each other of the gospel. We don't have a perfect knowledge that even our closest relatives 
have that saving faith, we need to constantly be sharing it with each other. Even if someone is already saved and you share them the message of the gospel, Jesus died for you, by faith you have eternal life. It's encouraging. It's like in a healthy relationship, a husband and wife, they tell each other, I love you. They don't, it's not news each time. Hopefully. (laughs) It's an encouragement. It builds the relationship together. We also need to be building ourselves together as a church and generally all Christians, even if they don't go to our church. But all the more, our local church where we are identifiably coming together for God's mission. If this was all superstition, if it wasn't real, if God wasn't powerful to do it, what we do is really kind of silly. There'd be not a lot of point. But we can press on today, even when our obligations seem irrational to the outside world, because we know our God is faithful to accomplish what he has said for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are humbled before your power. We confess that we are sinners. We have sinned, but we're thankful for your work, that through faith, together, we could come to know you and have that eternal life. Keep it in our minds that we are a body and that you have a plan for us, and that plan will be our final hope to be realized. Jesus, we pray that anyone in our lives that doesn't have that knowledge of you, that you would help us to be a witness to them. We pray for your blessing that we would come all the more together continuously without stopping. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.